This is The Law School Show. Discovering the person behind the resume. Bringing you their stories and their tips on how to succeed in your legal career. Catch it all here, right now, on The Law School Show. Hi, everyone. This is Chelsea, and I'm your host for this episode for the Law School Show. Today, we're going to be talking about exploring how a startup evolves from scratch and the truths of the journey. I'm joined by Kaylin Nuevo. How are you doing today, Kaylin? I'm great, Chelsea. How are you doing today? Great as well. Thank you for asking. So I'm excited to start the episode. Would you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, sure. My name is Kaylin. I'm from Ottawa, Canada, and I'm one of the co-founders of Noibu. How did you decide to start up your tech company? Yeah, it's, it's really something that was always in the cards for me. Um, I uh, always wanted to do something like this and uh, with with my partners, uh, Rob Bukin, Phil Satinik, and, and Dan Cardamore. Uh, mainly Rob and I went to university together and always wanted to start a business um, and just never really knew when the right time was. So a couple of years after graduating university, we, we found it was the right time and kind of just jumped into it with uh, with both feet. So how did you guys realize that you wanted to start up this this whole bubble, and then how did it evolve? What were your initial struggles? Yeah, I would say the the story for the first couple of years is is mainly the struggle, right? Um, you don't know how to run a business, you don't know what the the market wants. Um, so I'd say the first thing is just trying to help people. Um, so if you can find businesses that are looking for help and, and help them with technology, well, help them first off, help them just by helping them, uh, like to solve a problem is is a big thing. Um, so let's say they're having an issue, I don't know, managing their inventory, uh, figure out a way to help them with that. And then if you can build a software that essentially streamlines what you were doing, um, then you have a business, right? People pay to solve problems. So I would say kind of the first and foremost, the advice would be to, to, to find a problem that people care a lot about and help them solve it. And then uh, take a portion of the value that's created from solving that problem. That's such an interesting way to frame it. Um, and then, so at what stage did you realize that you needed to have legal advice and how did that help shape your business? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, we actually got legal advice pretty early on. Um, so we worked with a local firm, uh, LaBarge and Weinstein, which has been really, really helpful. And um, our our partner's named Shane and uh, he he was pretty fundamental on a few things. So when you start a business, um, and you do share allocations. There's some really important things like, for example, vesting schedules, which means that if you start a company with three people and someone leaves after a month, they don't own a third of the business, right? Uh, you're, like businesses take years and years to build. Um, so having a vesting schedule is key because people change their mind. Entrepreneurship's not for everybody. So I would say the biggest thing was the, uh, the vesting schedule. And I think we did that right. Um, we did a lot of things right on the legal side. The one mistake that we made early on, and this was probably just because we never realized how big Noibu could get, uh, like family trust structures early on. So that was something that we kind of had to clean up later on down the line, uh, which is something that uh, founders do a lot is, is kind of create a family trust structure around their shares. But that was uh, that was probably the only mistake that we made on the legal side. Sorry, just to interrupt. What would the family trust in the aspect of a business help with? Uh, yeah, it's just it really depends on the use case. But typically, to disperse assets later on in life, it gives you a lot more flexibility. Just to be clear, it was actually presented to us as an option, but at the time, it was pretty costly to get it set up, and we didn't really think that it was worth the money at the time. But as you know, um, save a dollar today, spend ten dollars in the future. Um, it was 
fairly costly to get it cleaned up. Um, but I think it, it is what it is. Uh, that was probably the only thing that I would, uh, I would advise ambitious founders is to do that stuff early. Um, I would say with the exception of that though, we did everything else uh, correctly. We set up our share structures correctly. Uh, like all, all the other stuff, all the documentation, all that we, we got pretty lucky that we had some really, really good advice early on. And how often would you say you've had to consult with your legal team? Um, pretty often. So everything's not like, we don't have any in-house counsel yet. Uh, we do a lot of contracts, so it's basically just redlining MSAs. Um, so we had our, like all of our privacy documents, MSAs, all that stuff for a product that was all done by the local law firm. And then at that point, basically people just redline them, but it's always going to be the same thing. So it's going to be like, people are going to add in a termination for convenience clause. They're going to add in, um, that they want litigation in Delaware, if you do a lot of uh, American business, like they're not going to want to do delega- uh, delegation, uh, litigation in Canada, uh, things like if there if there's a breach of data, what's the maximum penalty? Is it 5,000, 50,000, 100,000? So those are typically the things that I get redlined back. And I usually just kind of accept or decline. Uh, if it gets a little more complex, then we'll send it off to the uh, to the firm. Okay, wow, that's, uh, that's pretty fascinating. And then so as the company continued to evolve, how often would you say you had to consult with the, your legal uh, firm? Yeah, I mean, all the time. So it really, it, it depends, like, what they have been really good at doing is giving us the bare, like the, the structure so that we don't have to go to them every week with a different decision. Um, so we have like a lot of standard NDAs, stuff like that. Um, but it's a, it's a continuous program. Anytime we sign, like uh, even anything like getting a new credit card from a bank or opening up a new bank account, it's something that you definitely should run by your legal counsel. Uh, when you we changed our pricing structure not too long ago, so that was a pretty big project because we had to redo all the wording in our MSA. Um, so that that was a big thing, and then obviously your standard terms and conditions, T's and C's, as you continue to sell into different markets, those are all things that need to be up to date. How would you say the legal advice that you've received over the years has helped shape your business plan? Um, yeah. So what what's really interesting about that is it's uh, it's one of those situations where if you do it all right, then you don't really think about it. But it's when you do it wrong that you have big big problems. Um, so it, for us, luckily, we haven't really had any any massive challenges with that. Like we didn't sign any bad agreements or anything. But I know, like uh, I have friends that have had like companies acquired and things like that. And some of the agreements that they signed on with like an investor or like a partner, they didn't really fully understand it. And there's like these clauses that come back to like bite them later on. Thankfully for us, like knock on wood, we haven't really had any of those challenges. Uh, Shane and the team have been really diligent in explaining stuff to us. Um, but yeah, I definitely do know of people that have like had really big issues down the line because they kind of didn't really understand what they were signing. And I know that uh, putting aside a little bit the legal aspects, I do realize that your company has evolved quite a little bit. When did you realize that you had to change up the business plan uh, on what you started up with and then where you ended up? Yeah. So, I mean, there's always like market adoption risk. I'd say that's probably the biggest risk with any company is uh, getting your product to market and then getting it adopted by the market and then finding a profitable way of distributing it. Um, so I'd say for us, we're always kind of looking for, um, it's kind of like pushing a boulder up a hill, right? And 
some hills are steeper than the others and some boulders are heavier, right? The, the worse your product is, the heavier the boulder is. So um, for a while, we, we were pushing a boulder up a hill um, and it ended, like the hill ended up basically just being too big to climb. So we really kind of re, we rejigged the strategy. We changed product lines at that point and um, you almost feel it right away. So what's nice about it is when you've been told a million times, no, it doesn't hurt you anymore. So you could figure out exactly um, exactly what you need to do in a shorter period of time. So kind of when we took the kind of second big kick at the can, that's when we figured out that our product actually had way more validity this time. That's such an interesting point to make. And then in that, that stage where you were at, where you guys were maybe going to, where you were changing your product line, did you find that you had to also consult in order to change the way your business was on paper with, with the, with the law team? Or is that something that just is englobed in your contracts in general, like in terms of the aspects of the whole uh, change? Yeah, actually, it's funny you say that. Um, we actually had to change all of our, our everything because, um, our terms and conditions were built around a product that we didn't have anymore. So it was a different set of terms and conditions that we had to put forward. Uh, our MSA was completely irrelevant because it was based around a product that we didn't have anymore. Um, so we actually had to change like our T, T's and C's, our MSA and kind of all that, those legal documents as well. Like not like shareholders agreement or anything like that, but mainly just like things that were relevant to the customer. And then sorry, just for the listeners, what does MSA mean? Uh, master service agreement. So it's kind of like T's and C's of, of a contract. Okay. So the terms and conditions. Thank you. And then, so what's your hypothesis on what the industry is going to look like with everything evolving continuously? I think privacy is going to be a huge thing. So uh, especially in this in the space that we play in, uh, I think privacy is going to be huge. Um, so what do I mean by that? Like the how people are collecting, using, and storing private information. So like first name, last name, credit card, stuff like that. Um, I think it's that was once considered gold, and now I think it's considered poison. Um, like for an organization like us, we actually do not. We want to be able to co- create value for organizations without collecting, storing, processing private information. Uh, so that's a huge, huge focus for us. And that's something that we kind of aim. And if you just look at general trends, typically things get stricter over time. Uh, it gets harder to get a building permit. It gets harder to do this, it gets harder to do that. Um, and if you look at Europe, uh, like GDPR, uh, for example, GDPR was, was big. And I know CCPA is another thing that, that, they're, that they're doing around that. So um, yeah, I mean, we want to treat, uh, private information like toxic, like poison basically, and we, we don't want to store it. So that's going to be a big part of a kind of our legal and, and risk strategy moving forward. And then what do you say your main product is at the moment, the main goal that you guys have? Yeah. So I, I think, um, like as an organization, um, like our product, like we have our kind of internal, internal goals in terms of scale, in terms of, um, how many people we want to help, how many businesses we want to help. Um, I would say that um, I would say that kind of our our, our goal around uh, our, our goal for the next couple of years around uh, privacy and, and and things like that would be well first off what do we do we actually have a e-commerce error detection platform so we help retailers like uh, Guess Home Hardware Giant Tiger Simons uh, we help them prevent bugs on their checkout and during their shopping experience to help them increase their revenue but also help customers not be frustrated. Um, so that's kind of what we do from a tactical standpoint. Uh, how do we want to do that? Well, we want to do that without collecting or storing anyone's private information. Uh, we also want to make it so that, uh, it's very clear and actionable and, uh, helps eliminate friction from the user journey. So if you're a customer 
and you're going on, I don't know, uh, Giant Tiger's website, you're not having to uh, try to add something to your cart three, four times because there's a bug. You're not having to try a different computer or refresh your browser, or clear your cookies and all those stuff that tech support will tell you to do. Um, so that's kind of the the overall overall mission is to have uh, basically have a, an errorless experience. Would, would you say that in order to accommodate this type of platform that you guys are creating, that the legal advice that you've received has been immeasurable in terms of the privacy that you guys would like to acquire for clients? Uh, yeah, for sure. So um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely understanding where like law is going as a whole was really helpful when we made that decision. Um, there's a couple of uh, kind of cases out where there was like data, like there was like a data leak from like a retailer, for example, and they were fined. So like seeing that stuff and seeing how there's like class actions against that definitely influenced how we looked at it and treated at it. And then with your relationship with your legal advice team, would you say that sometimes they just reach out to you for various uh, different things that have just come up in the industry? Or is it something that you've kind of read on and then you would just contact them just in terms of the interactions that you guys have? Yes, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, yeah, it's a little bit of both. And I work, uh, I don't work as closely with the security team. That's more so the tech team. Um, but we have, uh, it's kind of like between our tech team, we have a, a consultant on security and then we have our legal counsel. So they work really closely on that. And this is kind of a project that we're, that we're actually queuing up uh, as well. Like just as a whole, like it's, it's, it's really important to our organization. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time. And then to wrap up the episode, I do have one final question. So uh, this is something that I came by and I was just wondering, how do you feel about your workplace being named the number one best uh, places to work in Ottawa in 2021? Cool. Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, I'm not going to complain. I love it. I agree. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, it's definitely humbling. Um, when you asked before kind of what our, what our goal was um, or why we like started the company, that was a huge part of it. Um, I was part of workplaces that I didn't enjoy being in, um, and uh, I wanted to create something that everyone enjoyed being there, including myself. So I'm I'm really happy that uh, that we're one step closer to being able to achieve that. That's really amazing and great to hear. Well, thank you so much, Kaylin, for joining us on the Law School Show, and thank you to our listeners for listening to our episode. You've just been listening to The Law School Show. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and now on Spotify, or on our website at thelawschoolshow.com. If you liked what you heard, like us again on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter for the latest updates. Human stories, new legal topics, and career-advancing advice right to your earbuds. Catch it all here, next time on The Law School Show.